Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Bucks Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bucks Wire editor, Luke Easterling. One of your former teammates even said on TV that he thinks that you need a new head coach. What do you make of all that noise? No, it's just the external noise that when you're losing, you know, that's what you deal with. So, uh, you know, I love p- playing for, for the guys that I play with, the coaches, the whole organization's been unbelievable. And I think what, uh, you know, it's got to go out. And I certainly have to do a better job of the last four weeks of the year. So, appreciate it. Let's have a good week. That's Tom Brady Luke answering his final post-game presser question. That's about a whopping two minutes, right? That lasted. Clearly not a happy camper following a second straight 27-24 loss. This one to the Chiefs, knocking the Bucks to 7-5, entering the bye week. I got some opinions on Brady. I've seen this plenty when he was back with the Patriots, but what's your takeaway on kind of a salty Brady? Not shaking hands with Jared Goff a couple weeks ago. Now he's not hanging out at the post-game presser with the, uh, with the media. So what do you think about this? I just think that he is a kind of guy who, especially at this point in his career, maybe not necessarily because of what he's accomplished, but because of how focused I think he is on on the next thing, right? Like, you know, if it, when he loses, he's on to the next thing probably a little bit quicker than when they win. I mean, obviously you want to soak up the win for 24 hours before you, you know, kind of turn the page. I feel like when you lose, it's like 24 seconds, you know, like you just, you, I don't want to think about that anymore. As far as the handshake thing, I think he's just made it clear. If he doesn't care about you, he's not going to hang around. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, I don't think to him it's personal. I think honestly, it's if I don't have a personal relationship with you, which is basically what he said the last time he was asked about this, or if I don't respect you enough as an opponent, which I think he's done, obviously, with Patrick Mahomes on Sunday and hasn't done with guys like Jared Goff, guys like Nick Foles, I think it just shows for better or for worse. Again, you can make it personal, but I think to him, what the message I get from that is I don't respect you. I don't respect you enough as an opponent to come shake your hand. I don't care enough about you. And again, people can say whatever they want about that. But to him, I think it's more of a, you know, we lost, let's move on. If I don't have a relationship with you and and I don't respect what you've done on the field to the point where I feel the need to go over and say something to you, I'm not going to. I'm going to move on and, and go go do my thing. And as far as that question, I mean, it's it's not the first time we've gotten a, a, a shorter than expected uh, press conference, whether, you know, for whatever reason from him. This one, I think obviously he was just a little pissed off by the question. You know, Jenna, Jenna is great with, you know, asking questions that uh, that need to be said, whether people like it or not. Jenna Lane from ESPN, who I know, and and she's wonderful at her job. And he just wasn't thrilled about it. He wasn't thrilled about being asked about one of his old former teammates saying, hey, he needs a different head coach instead of Bruce Arians. I think that that type of thing, you know, from Brady's perspective, you can commiserate with that. Right. I mean, it's, it's not helpful. It's not a helpful line of thought to say, oh, if we just had a different coaching staff, that's not going to change this year. It's not going to change probably next year. Your best chance to win a Super Bowl is right here, right now, with the coaches and the players that you have. So those types of hypotheticals aren't helpful to him. You know what I mean? So I think that's what it was. You just lost a game. You probably could have and should have won despite a horrific start. And I think it, it starts to get frustrating. Again, this is the first time this team has lost two games in a row this season. So obviously he's frustrated. Obviously things didn't go the way he wants. But that's kind of what I think is at play there. Oh, that's what it is. It's it's the two-game losing streak, Luke. It's Brady's a sore loser. He is. Anyone in the national media that wants to call Brady 
Brady a baby and call him a sore loser. That's 100% what he is. He's never been a good loser. That scowl and the pain in his face, you know, that that pain, you know, he just looks so frustrated and defeated. That's why I that's why he's like my favorite player all time, right? Cuz I watched him for two decades here in New England, and that's how it is. When when he's losing a couple games in a row when the team's not playing at its best, when he's getting questions he doesn't want to answer and I agree, Luke. I applaud Jenna. Like she seems to always ask the question that gives you the soundbite afterwards whether it's Bruce Brady, one of the players. Like she always seems to have the question that produces the soundbite. So good for her. He can't bring himself to go shake hands with Jared freaking Goff cuz it's Jared Goff. He blows. Brady knows that. Nick Foles, like he can't stand Nick Foles. There's no way he should have lost that Super Bowl to Nick Foles. Threw for 500 yards, they lose to the Eagles, that whole thing. He can't stand that he lost that Super Bowl to Foles. So, no, no, this is Brady. He is just a horrible, horrible loser. And I think maybe Bucks fans are a little annoyed that he's only spending two minutes at the podium because that's your time to see him and hear him, Luke. But I think they'll come to enjoy it because there's no better Brady than a mad Brady. And I, I think the Bucks are going to look like a much better football team over the final four weeks of the season, partly due to the schedule, but also due to the fact that they're going to figure this thing out over the bye and Brady's going to come back playing his best football. I really believe that. I think, and that's been the track record, right? Throughout his entire career, he's done the same thing this season. You know, he has always played pretty darn well after a loss throughout his career. And even in this game, I mean, he had those two interceptions that were obviously unhelpful and, and kind of ugly, but he also threw for 345 and three touchdowns and, and got within a field goal with a late comeback. And, and honestly, if they get another possession there, I mean, there's no telling what he can do with the ball in a couple of minutes, right? The way, especially the way that fourth quarter was going, had two touchdown passes to Mike Evans in the fourth quarter there to get him within striking distance. So the talent is there. Everything is there for this team. I think that, you know, you, you look at the record they have already, and they've only lost one game to a team with a losing record. That was against Chicago. Uh, and again, that's only because Chicago lost um, this week to, to the Packers. They had a, a 500 record until then. So all four of the games they have left are against teams with losing records. Three of them are against teams with interim head coaches right now they play Detroit they play Atlanta twice uh, and then they play the Vikings obviously which I think is probably going to be the biggest game there because the Vikings are kind of still in the playoff hunt there Um, but everything is still in front of this team you got to think about how poorly they've played in certain stretches over these last two games in particular and still only lost to the Rams who were leading the NFC West until this past week when they flipped with the with the Seahawks and the Chiefs the defending Super Bowl champions they lost to those two teams by a combined six points playing pretty badly for a lot of both of those games So when this team figures it out, which again, the bye week is kind of coming at a really nice time for them. They can get healthier. They can, you know, kind of get on the same page with some of the stuff that's not working and really focus on what has been working and and try to develop that rhythm. And again, they get four straight games to finish the season against teams with losing records, against teams that they should beat. And they have proven, again, for Bucks fans to, to have a little bit of perspective here, yes, you're losing to the Chiefs. Yes, you lost to the Rams, which is another quality team. You've lost to the Saints twice. They're clearly a better team than you. But in order to prove that you're not a bad team, you have to beat all the bad teams. Right. And that's what the Bucks have done this year. They've they've not lost aside from the Bears game to a bad team, a team that is worse than them and should have been beaten. So that bodes well for this last stretch here. And again, like you said, you've got a pissed off Brady. You've got a team that's that's starting to figure certain things out. There's no reason why this team can't go four and zero down the stretch and lock up a wild card spot. I got a couple questions I want to throw Luke's way about Bruce Arians, including a fantasy football question. I think Bruce maybe he gave us a little bit of something from fantasy. But first, let's hear from the huddle.com, Corey Bonini, and then Luke and I will come back on the other side. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. 
Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk strong plays for Week 13 of the fantasy football season. Quarterback Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Cousins has really picked up his play of late, and he gets a star receiver Adam Thielen back in the lineup after one week off due to COVID-19. Only the Dallas Cowboys have given up more passing touchdowns in 2020 than the Jaguars. Jacksonville is hardly a threat to pick off a pass, and the yardage against them is fifth in the NFL. Factor in Dalvin Cook, and Jacksonville's defense will be spread too thin. New England Patriots running back Damian Harris at the Los Angeles Chargers. All seven rushing touchdowns against the Bolts have come since week seven, and the position has yielded seven different performances of at least 60 yards in that time. There have been eight double-digit PPR efforts over that period as well, and Harris has a chance to rebound after a couple of weeks with lukewarm results. New York Jets wide receiver Brashad Perriman versus the Las Vegas Raiders. In Perriman's last five games, scattered over seven weeks thanks to injuries and a bye, the well-traveled veteran has generated at least 10.2 PPR points four times. Since Week 9's breakout game against the Pats, Perriman has produced with both Joe Flacco and Sam Darnold at quarterback. Las Vegas has given up a wide receiver touchdown every 12.3 completions, and just 10 teams have given up more yards to the position in 2020. And at tight end, Kyle Rudolph of the Minnesota Vikings will pick on the Jaguars one more time. As mentioned, Thielen returns to balance out this offense. The matchup is a major plus as well, and the Jaguars have granted tight ends four touchdowns in the last five games. The volume has been low, which, unlike Week 12 for Rudolph, has been the norm all season long. And that's fine. You're only playing him as a flyer to get into the end zone, and he can be used as a stack with Kirk Cousins in redraft and DFS action in Week 13. One thing that was interesting out of Bruce Arians' presser, he said he wants to get Ronald Jones 20 touches in a game where his team is not trailing by 17 points and trying to come back, right? In a, in a normal game flow, he wants to get more touches to Rojo, and with the Bucks' schedule coming up, that seems kind of favorable, right? Like, the game script could be the Bucks playing from ahead a lot more than they're playing from behind. So, for those looking for a running back that's on the cheap in daily fantasy, Rojo could be an option, according to Arians. Unless, of course, Luke, Bruce is uh, lying to us. But if you believe what Bruce is saying, he wants to get Rojo more touches, and that could be something that we could monitor fantasy-wise coming out of the break. Yeah, I think so. I think you're obviously, you know, Bruce doesn't have a great track record but telling us the truth in certain situations. We've talked about that before on this show. But and one thing Bucks fans said, you know, when I wrote about that, you know, him saying that, Bucks fans were like, he does realize he's the coach, right? <laughs> he says that Rojo needs 20 touches a game. Well, guess, guess who can make sure you that You have the happens? power, Bruce. You have the power. Uh, yeah. So obviously, you know, you'll believe it when you see it, right? But I think it's been clear. I mean, we go back to the to the offseason when he was like, you know, Rojo's our guy. Over and over and over again, he said this. Then they drafted Keshawn Vaughn in the third round. He still said, hey, Rojo's my guy. He signed LaShawn McCoy. He kept saying it. He signed Leonard Fournette. He kept saying it. And honestly, that's that's pretty much been borne out this whole rest of the year, right? I mean, Fournette has had his flashes here and there, uh, but otherwise, it's it's been Rojo's show. And Sunday was another example. He only had 10 touches, but he got over 100 total yards at the 37-yard catch and run that was really impressive. That was the Ronald Jones I, I scouted at USC, right? When I'm doing draft work, I remember watching him. That's the guy I saw. Explosive after the catch when you get the ball in his hands, giving him opportunities in the open field. And he's bigger, more physical back than he was at USC now, so he's more effective between the tackles. And honestly, if there's something about what Bruce said that I don't really buy. It's the fact that the game script, he thinks that it kind of dictated the fact that he didn't get a lot of touches. You know, Bruce, you were down 17 nothing at the end of the first quarter and didn't really have to deviate from that game plan. It wasn't like the, the Saints game where you're down 31 nothing at halftime or whatever it was. Like They had time to stick to the game plan and I think even later in that same presser, he kind of said the same thing. It may have even been in that same answer where he was talking about, hey, we still stuck to the game plan. Well, if you're sticking to the game plan, why can't you give Rojo the 20 touches you say he needs? You know what I mean? So it's just there's a lot to it. 
if he wants 20 touches, he needs to get him 20 touches because he has the power to do that if he's that type of guy that gets in a rhythm. And again, I think the fact that they, they remained balanced at times throughout that game is kind of what helped them control the clock, keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes a little bit. But it's all complimentary football, man. It's a cliche, and you'll hear coaches and players talk about it all day long, but that's how it works. Your defense has to get stops. Your offense has to take advantage. Your offense has to you know have long drives and not turn over the ball, and the defense has to make the most of the fact that they're well-rested and not give up big plays. And, and the Bucks just missed each other on those two. To those exchanges on Sunday when the defense was having a good run and playing well, the, de- the offense wasn't responding and taking advantage early in the game. When the defense was struggling, the offense wasn't, you know, matching up and, and going blow for blow with Patrick Mahomes on the offense. And then once they finally got it together, it was just too little too late there. But when you look at the rest of the stretch here, like you said, the game scripts should definitely favor them. They should be able to, to make these games look like the Panthers game, the Broncos game, you know, games where they were in control for most of the, of the game and they're able to kind of impose their will in terms of play calling and establishing the run. So again, talent, coaching, everything points to the Bucks having a very strong finish here against some teams that are just not as good as they are, but you have to execute. You've got to go make it happen. And all these teams would love to play spoiler. Again, the Vikings are still in the in the playoff hunt here for a wild card spot. The Bucks could conceivably split these four games and, and still get in, but you don't want to do that. Obviously, you want to finish strong. Everything's in front of them. For fantasy owners, I think if you're going to pick anybody in this offense that will give you something on a week-to-week basis, Rojo's probably your best bet, even with all the receivers they have. There's so many different guys that I feel like he's one of the ones you can actually count on to get the ball when they run the ball, because when they pass it, it's really, you never know. Yeah, and speaking of the coaching, Luke, you know, and, and i got to say this and admit that I am a card-carrying Tom Brady honk, Tom Brady apologist, Brady Bobo, right? You know that. But it seems like Bruce is kind of telling us, look, you know, Tom's hitting him in practice, but he can't seem to hit him in the game. He's getting confused by coverages. Oh, uh, he's picking the plays off the sheet. We're just calling the plays Brady wants. So Bruce is, we've talked about this before, Bruce is not shy about letting us know that Brady's kind of struggling out there or it's on Brady. And Bruce isn't, he's never once like sat there and been like, oh, it's on me. I got to coach it better. It's always kind of like, uh, you know, it's, it looks good in practice, looks good, looks good in pregame. But then once the game happens, I, what am I going to do? I'm just a coach. So I don't know that guy, that kind of thing is as a card carrying Brady Bobo. It does. It gets under my skin a little bit. And I wonder if that gets under Brady's skin too. You know, I, I don't know if it does or not. I, I think that at the end of the day, both of these guys need one another to win a Super Bowl. And that's what it comes down to. So whatever is said, whatever is done, at the end of the day, I think both of those guys realize I can't get where I want without that guy. So they'll always figure it out. Sometimes I wonder when people say that if there's like some inside joke between both parties, I go back to, what was it like Michael Crabtree and Richard Sherman? Like I remember texting with my best friend from high school at the time. And I'm like, dude, if you and I had made it to the league, we would have done this stuff like as a gag. Yeah, seriously. Like just just for the for the the kicks and giggles, right? Just to see everybody freak out about us having a beef or whatever. So part of me wants to believe that Bruce and Tom like snicker behind the. Uh, so the they're in on it. They're say, in on hey, it. We're, we're gonna go. We're gonna go rile them up a little bit. That would be fun. But at the end of the day, again, it, it, these are two guys that are highly competitive, very experienced, very successful at, the, at what they do, and they know they need each other to get where they want, and that's a Super Bowl. So at the end of the day, they're gonna put the work in. They're gonna do everything they can to do that. And afterwards, obviously, everybody will write their books and. Everybody Everybody will do their podcasts and talk about what happened behind the scenes. But we've told we've talked about this before, whether it's Antonio Brown, you know, whatever happens with this team is all bent toward winning a championship. And if that happens, everything else will be acceptable. Coming up next, Luke and I will dive a little bit deeper into the Bucks bye week. We'll be right back. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. 
Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. We're breaking down the Monday night football game between the San Francisco 49ers and Buffalo Bills. The 49ers come in as two and a half point underdogs as the official home team in this. They have minus 106 odds. The Bills, minus 115 odds to win by a minimum of three points. Jeff, do the Bills continue to roll through 2020 or are the 49ers back on track? Oh, for sure. I'm on the Bills to win by more than a field goal here. Josh Allen could stretch the 49ers defense more so than Jared Goff could last week. And I think this Bills defense is trending up and it's going to do a good job against the 49ers rush and make Nick Mullins beat them in the air. I think the 49ers are back on track. That They're getting healthy. The, the running game looking strong. The defense coming on as well. Kyle Shanahan's squad fighting for a playoff spot. I think they make it back-to-back and beat the Bills. Back the 49ers, plus 2.5. So, Luke, another interesting thing that Bruce talked about was beating the virus during the bye week, right? And that's, that's interesting because... The COVID thing in the NFL has gotten a little silly. It's gotten nutty. You know, between the Broncos thing with uh, Kendall Hinton playing quarterback, he's like the most famous guy in the NFL right now, and rightfully so. It's a fun story. And then you get the Ravens Steelers playing at 3.40 p.m. because they got to make sure the Christmas tree gets lit on NBC, and NBC's kind of Adam Schefter joking about how the Rockefeller Christmas tree lighting is greater than the Ravens Steelers game, and it might be, right? It might be. There's some there's some good musical acts going on. That's, that's going to be a fun little show. I don't think I'll be tuning in, but obviously the COVID situation across the NFL has gotten nutty. You got to agree with Bruce that teams coming off a bye tend to come out of it with some issues. Guys are going home. Guys are doing this and that. So what do you think about that thing? Like, it sounds like the Bucks are really going to take it seriously, go home, maybe stay away from the facility, maybe not get in as many reps during the bye week as maybe in past years to try to mitigate any spread of COVID to try to make sure they're cool coming back from the bye and, and not affected by this. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, this season, that's obviously got to be your first and foremost opponent every week, right? Is making sure that not just from a football perspective, you've got everybody you need and, and everybody you can have to, to go out and win a football game. But, you know, they, these are all just human beings that live and work where we all live and work. And it's, you know, they have just as much a responsibility as we do to be smart about this and to be safe and, and do what we can to, to stop the spread of the virus. So I, I think that's everybody's first opponent every single day and every single week, just like it is for us in our daily lives. So I think that's, that's definitely smart of Bruce to focus on that. Again, I, I wonder how it will work and how it could impact the team and their preparations, obviously, but you can't, nothing else you do matters if you don't figure that out first. Uh, So obviously that's got to be their primary objective coming out of the bye week to not come back to the building with the same kind of problems we've seen other teams deal with coming out of their buys. So you wait, Bruce is going to lock down the facility and then Brady will be out in the park with the receivers and then people will be tweeting and being all upset about it. You just wait, Luke. That's going to happen. Nothing would surprise me at this point, man. <laughs> Nothing. Not, no. uh, what would you think about the Broncos-Saints game this past weekend? I, I got to get your take on this. <laughs> My hat goes off to Kendall Hinton, obviously. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is a guy who, you know, is thrust into a, an impossible situation. And, and I, I don't know if you saw what I tweeted earlier this week, but I get so sick of the arm quarterbacks i mean i i played quarterback in high school played a little bit in college at a very tiny school it's extremely difficult to be successful at this sport every level up you go and again i played at a very tiny school naia school and just the teams that we played and played against and and how good they were how much better they were than i thought than than my team and how much harder i had thought i had to work just to just to get on the field to go every level up from there to you know the fcs level to the fbs level to the nfl i mean it's so incredibly hard 
to get to that point. So anybody with their Twitter fingers who has anything negative to say about Kendall Hinton can save it because it's just a prime example of anybody who wants to criticize their quarterback on a weekly basis and, and say anything even remotely serious about how they could do a better job. I think Kendall Hinton doing the very best he could under the circumstances is fantastic proof that all the Uncle Ricos out there who think they could do better are absolutely wrong. Yeah, you know what I don't, what I haven't liked though is the all the comments being like, "Look, Hinton led the Broncos to as many points and threw less interceptions than Tom Brady." That thing, like, I, that, that's getting a little silly. Like, I I root for the kid and I like it and it's fun, but can we not get nutty over it? Like, part of it, like the Broncos. They did let this happen to them, and I know they feel a certain kind of way, but I feel like I like to celebrate Hinton. I agree with you 100%, and I'm not going to you know, go on Twitter and say, ah, you suck, ah, you know what I mean? That's just ridiculous. But the Broncos are like kind of overplaying their hand a little bit. Like They don't feel like they're complicit in this at all. And part of me is like, yo, like you had no contingency plans, and your guys weren't wearing a mask, and this happened, and sorry, but this is the world we live in nowadays. Like It's, it's gotten a little crazy. Right, and that's the thing, is that you can't pretend that that you didn't cause this problem for yourself like you you thank you you put yourself in this situation again and right or wrong you can argue about the the rules and the protocols or whatever but at the end of the day they were collectively bargained you know the nfl and the nflpa had a chance to you know come to an agreement about all of this stuff so if anybody has a problem with it they should have known that if you know situation x was to happen you know outcome y is what we've got and that's what the denver broncos had you end up with no quarterbacks because of the contact tracing and the policies it's something that you either should have had a plan for or don't want to blame anybody else for the fact that you put yourself in that situation so again it's not really a feel-good story at all it's a frustrating story and it's a situation that no team should put themselves into because the players at the end of the day are the ones that are going to suffer the product's going to suffer the fans are going to suffer it's not a good situation to be in again kendall hinton made the best of it and he's kind of the only person that i really feel any sort of like hey great job about because he did the best he could being thrust into that situation but it's not happy it's not a good situation and it just shows how important every single really moment of everybody's day should be you know fully focused on how do i make sure i don't screw this up because it's not just you it's your team it's the players around you it's their families it's the staff people that are there there's so it's so much bigger than one person here and that's why these protocols are the way they are that's well put luke that's why i don't do this by myself that's why i need you my man that was, that was beautiful. <laughs> hey, man, we're all in this together cue the high school musical all right man so this is a bye week for yourself as well i know you did some christmas tree shopping today what's what goes on for uh luke easterling during the bye week uh you know you're looking for ways to to give your readers what they want so you're you're trying to look ahead i know we've already put put something out about all the free agents that the bucks are going to have to deal with this offseason there's a long list in guys that are big names they're going to have to have extensions for guys like levante david chris godwin shaq barrett they punted that one obviously a year with the franchise tag but they've got to figure out something there rob gronkowski's going to have uh, an expiring contract a guy that's not you know up for a new contract until after next season is donovan smith the left tackle but he's set to make 14.5 million next year and none of it is guaranteed so you're going to have a very cap-strapped team with other other players, other key players that they're going to have to, to give extensions to. And then you look at a guy like Donovan Smith, who has been kind of durable and reliable, but definitely not one of the better left tackles in the league, making almost $15 million a year. That's where you could look and say, hey, we need to save some of that money. And if none of that's guaranteed, maybe we find a, a younger, cheaper option in the draft, or we at least go to Donovan and say, hey, we, we need some help here. We, we got to afford all these other guys if you want to win games. Uh, so that's, you know, that's the kind of stuff we focus on during the bye week is obviously what, what is happening up until this point, what is left for the Bucks, and you know what is what is it going to take to get them to the playoffs? And then you're already looking ahead to next year. What is the offseason going to look like? What is the draft going to look like? So that's what we're doing at Bucks Wire. Love it, Luke. Have a great week, my man. Hey, you do the same, right? 
This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.